Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirchner. This time in our long-form podcast, Glenn runs down the legal recap of the week, and he discusses how the rule of law is keeping democracy in place. Welcome to Justice Matters Weekend Edition. Let's air it out. Today, friends, there will be one theme that will run through the entire episode, all of our legal recap stories, and it will be about how the rule of law, and I'm, I'm pausing here because I'm debating on whether to say the rule of law is the only thing that can save our democracy, but that probably sounds a little melodramatic, right? So let's say that the rule of law is the only thing that can keep our nation moving in the right, no, 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 heck, let's call it what it is. The rule of law is the only thing that can save our democracy. You know, we used to say that we could fix pretty much anything at the voting booth, right? Vote the bums out. You don't like the direction the country is headed, vote the bums out. Put a new set of bums in there. Well, no, they're not all bums, I I get it. But, you know, we seem to do worse over time. Not better, at least in some arenas. Certainly in the arena of our rights as Americans, women's constitutional privacy rights, the right of the people to be free from discrimination, whether because of your race, your ethnicity, your national origin, your sex, your orientation, your social status, your economic, status, you know, we seem to be doing worse in so many of those arenas rather than doing better. And we keep trying to vote the bums out, but somehow (laughs) the bums keep creeping back in. So the theme that will run through everything we talk about today, the river that will run through it, is how the rule of law is not only our best chance, but probably our only chance to get things back on track. You know, and in some ways, the rule of law is making an effort. It's making a showing. It's surging. It's trending, at least on some fronts. You know, like four criminal indictments of a former president of the United States. That's a good thing. That's the rule of law making a showing, right? Donald Trump will go to trial and will be convicted and will be imprisoned in case after case 
after case, and that's a good thing. And Trump's criminal associates like Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and John Eastman and Jeffrey Clark and Kenneth Cheesebro and Jenna Ellis and so many others will be tried, will be convicted, and will be punished, will be imprisoned. That's a good thing. That's a necessary thing. And frankly, based on the evidence, it's almost an easy thing because these people have committed so many crimes in the harsh light of day that convicting them will be like shooting fish in a barrel. But when it comes to the rule of law asserting itself, that is only for openers. We can't just do the easy prosecutions. We have to do the hard prosecutions. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, by that, I mean the following. When we have members of Congress who, as we speak, are interfering in prosecutions designed to hold Donald Trump accountable, case in point, at this moment in time, Representative Jim Jordan is interfering in the Georgia RICO prosecution of Donald Trump and his criminal associates. Jim Jordan, who himself committed the crime of contempt of Congress. Jim Jordan defied a congressional subpoena, the exact same crime that Peter Navarro was just convicted of. You have to do the hard work of asserting the rule of law to deal with the Jim Jordans of the world, not to mention the Jim Jordans of Congress because he's in pretty good company, or I should say pretty bad company. His fellow members of Congress, some of them requested pardons because they knew they had committed crimes on and around January 6th and they wanted to get away with those crimes. Hello, law enforcement, that's a clue that these people need to be investigated and if the evidence supports it, they need to be indicted, they need to be prosecuted, they need to be punished, and they need to be removed from Congress. Kick those bums out, not at the polls, but in a court of law. Come on, rule of law, lace up your boots, let's get to work. So the theme that will run through our chat today, friends, is how the rule of law is our last best chance. And frankly, at this point, it's our only chance because voting the bums out gets more and more difficult. When the bums are engaged in all sorts of nefarious legislation, particularly in the states to try to suppress our voting rights, to try to, you know, gerrymand our voting districts to make voting unfair to minority populations when they're involved in outright stealing elections as Trump and company tried to do and what the Republicans continue to try to do. So yes, of course we have to get to the polls. We have to get to the polls in numbers too big to rig and too real to steal, that's part of it. But that is no longer the be-all and end-all of change. The rule of law has to assert itself. More precisely, it has to be asserted by the good men and women who are still in government, 
serving honorably, ethically, to try to keep in check corrupt and criminal politicians and government officials, most directly exemplified by Jim Jordan and his cohorts in Congress who wanted to be pardoned for their January 6 crimes. Let's start with a quick run through of the legal stories of the week because there was actually some good news. In the good news category, I would put the ruling by Judge McAfee down in Georgia, or Judge McAfee, I apologize. I have heard his name pronounced both ways and I should have done my homework to make sure I, I get it right. Um, let's go with Judge McAfee. Judge McAfee down in Georgia presiding over the RICO trials brought by District Attorney Fonnie Willis. He ruled that the trials will be televised and live streamed. Friends, that is so darn important because we'll get to see with our own eyes the evidence of Trump's crimes and Mark Meadows' crimes, Rudy Giuliani's crimes, Sidney Powell's crimes, John Eastman's crimes, Jeffrey Clark's crimes, Kenneth Cheesebro's crimes, Jenna Ellis's crimes, and the crimes of the many fake electors who were part of Donald Trump's criminal enterprise, his criminal scheme that, you know, Trump initiated, a criminal scheme that was supported by his co-conspirators, his criminal associates now, his co-defendants, his criminal scheme to try to steal a presidential election. Thank goodness we'll get to see it with our own eyes. And we got a little glimpse of it this week, didn't we? You know, I hope, folks, you had an opportunity to watch at least some of the televised hearings down in Georgia. Judge McAfee presided over a hearing in the Georgia State RICO case that involved whether defendant Cheesebro should have his own trial by himself or whether he should be lumped or batched together with one or more of his co-defendants. He wanted to be tried alone, but Judge McAfee said, nope. You're going to be tried with your co-defendant, Sidney Powell, because she also made a speedy trial demand. So guess what? Both the all defendants, and maybe more, we'll figure that out, maybe more if others make a speedy trial demand, but at least Cheesebro and Powell will be going to trial together, and that trial will be televised, and it will start on October 23rd, this coming October. And friends, it's going to be a beautiful moment for the American experiment, for the American people, for our democracy, because we will get to see the evidence of Trump and company's RICO crimes with our own eyes. Because even though Cheesebro and Powell are the only two thus far who will be on trial beginning in October, District Attorney Willis and her team of prosecutors will be proving the entire case, the entire conspiracy, the entire criminal enterprise. We're going to see it in all of its ugliness because those charges will have to be proved against all defendants, regardless of which defendant is on trial or which combination of defendants are on trial 
beginning in October. We're going to see the whole shebang. I think shebang's a legal term. Now, let me give a sincere compliment to Judge McAfee because the way he presided over that hearing is a pretty strong indicator that he is an adept, thoughtful, smart, decisive, cordial, civil, professional, respectful judge. And I was so thrilled to see that. Let me tell you, friends, I appeared before so dang many judges in my 30 years as a prosecutor, probably because I was a trial junkie. I always wanted to be in trial, and I always wanted to be arguing criminal appeals in the appellate courts. And I appeared before well over 100 judges. I tried to count them up at one point, somewhere between 100 and 200 in my 30 years in courtrooms, both military and civilian, both federal and local, both trial and appellate. And so to see and to sort of assess Judge McAfee's performance against that backdrop, you know, given my experience having been in front of tons and tons and tons of judges. Look, I'm sure others have been in front of more judges than me, but I know most attorneys have been in front of far fewer judges than I had the opportunity to appear before. Judge McAfee was dead on. He was dead on when it came to his legal rulings. He was dead on in his decisiveness. He was dead on in his analysis and in his professionalism and his civility to everyone involved in the process. And it looks to me like Judge McAfee is kind of a kid, right? Now that I'm in my 60s, everybody younger than me looks like a kid. But I think he's in his, what, early to mid-30s? I was just excited, all right? I'm going to call it what it is. Yes, I'm a bit of a law geek, but I was excited to see a really good judge, somebody who seems to be a really good judge. And I have no reason to believe that he will change course and become a bad judge, an uncivil judge, an impolite judge, an indecisive judge. So I was really, I was really thrilled to see that because these trials are going to be televised. America is going to see judging the way it should be. And that's so good for the people's perception of the legitimacy and fairness and dignity and efficiency of the criminal justice system. On the way, did the judge presiding over the January 6th sedition case misspeak during the sentencing of the leader of the Proud Boys? Glenn says, yep. That's coming up next on Justice Matters. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Enrique Terrio, head of the Proud Boys, was recently sentenced to 22 years in prison. And Trump-appointed judge Timothy Kelly stated that Terrio was, quote, the ultimate leader of what happened on January 6th. Glenn explains the judge is wrong on that fact. Another big story this week, friends, was the sentencing of Enrique Terrio, the leader of the so-called Proud Boys, the misnamed Proud Boys organization, because there's nothing proud about those sad hateful little boys. Taria was sentenced to 22 years in prison for heading up the effort, the Proud Boys effort, to attack the Capitol on January 6th to stop the peaceful transfer of power, to overthrow our democratic process. And friends, 22 years is nothing to sneeze at. Now, yes, the prosecutors had asked the judge for more time than that. They asked for 33 years. And what we are learning over the course of the insurrection cases is that judges are giving significantly less prison time to the various insurrectionists than the prosecutors have been asking for, whether it's the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys or others. You know, the judges are imposing shorter prison terms than the prosecutors are asking for, sometimes giving the defendants only about half of what the prosecutors are asking for. And that upsets some people, and I understand why. Attempting to overthrow our democracy, not a crime we see every day, beating nearly to death the police officers protecting the Capitol and everyone in it, protecting the peaceful transfer of power is not something we see every day. And that's what the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and others did on January 6th. Now, I tend to view these sentences, sometimes half of what the prosecutors had asked the judge to impose, as a recognition maybe a not-so-subtle recognition, a not-so-veiled recognition that, yes, these defendants are deserving of punishment, punishment of a decade in prison or two decades in prison, but there is somebody who is more worthy of more punishment than that, and that's Donald Trump, because he was the one who organized and orchestrated and executed and refused to call off the Capitol attack, the attack on our democracy. So if Enrique Tario earned himself 22 years for what he did, Donald Trump has earned himself life in prison without the possibility of parole, or as we call it in the federal system, without the possibility of release. And I think that is at least one of the signals being sent by the judges who are saying, these people answered Donald Trump's criminal call. So yes, they are worthy of punishment, you bet. 
but Donald Trump is worthy of even more punishment. And of course, Donald Trump is pending trial in federal court in Washington, D.C., in a case being presided over by Judge Tanya Chutkin, a case that will begin with jury selection in early March, and he will be held accountable for January 6th. But friends, I want to comment on one thing that happened during Enrique Tarrio's sentencing hearing. The judge that presided over Tarrio's case, indeed the judge that presided over the entire Proud Boys conspiracy prosecution is a judge named Timothy Kelly, a Trump appointee. And I know, I know, when you hear that term, Trump appointed judge, if you're like me, you bristle, maybe even break out in hives. And there's a good reason for that. And I would point as evidence of a good reason to bristle when you hear Trump appointed judge, I point to Judge Aileen Cannon in Florida. But friends, not all Trump appointed judges are created equal. You have to assess each one on their merits. Now, I watched Judge Kelly preside over some of the Proud Boys trial, and I think he did an appropriate job. I think in most respects he did a fine job. You know, he is no Aileen Cannon, and that's a good thing, in my opinion. But there is one thing that Judge Kelly said at Enrique Tarrio's sentencing that concerned me, and concerned me as probably an understatement, kind of bothered me to my core. He said, Enrique Tarrio is the, quote, ultimate leader, ultimate organizer, close quote, of what happened on January 6th. No, he's not. Any fact-based person understands that Tario is not, was not, the ultimate leader or the ultimate organizer of the attack on the U.S. Capitol. That was Donald Trump. Tario didn't tell the Proud Boys to stand by, await my further orders. It was Donald Trump who told the Proud Boys to stand by. Tario didn't send out a message, come to D.C. on January 6th, we'll be wild. Donald Trump did. Tario didn't whip up the crowd on the morning of January 6th into an angry, seething, violent frenzy. Donald Trump did. Tario didn't tell them, your vote was stolen, your election was rigged, and your president is being unlawfully taken from you. That was Donald Trump. Tario didn't tell that angry mob, fight like hell or you won't have a country anymore. Donald Trump did. And Tario didn't tell that angry, roiling, seething mob, march on the Capitol and stop the certification. Stop the steal. Enrique Tario was the ultimate organizer and leader on January 6th? Are you flipping kidding me? Donald Trump is the ultimate organizer and the ultimate leader of the insurrection. Now, friends, I am willing to chalk up Judge Kelly's statement that Tario 
is the ultimate leader of the insurrection, I'm willing to chalk it up to imprecise language. Because let me hasten to add that <laughs> over the course of 30 years trying cases, do you know how many times my language was imprecise in court? A lot. You know how many mistakes I made in court? A lot. And when I did and when I caught myself in those mistakes, and I'd like to think I generally did, I'd like to say I almost always kind of caught when I misspoke or I made a mistake, and I'd stopped dead in my tracks as I was arguing to a jury, either in opening statements or closing arguments or a rebuttal argument, and I would say, ladies and gentlemen, I just blew that. I just misspoke. That was imprecise. My apologies. Let me go back and correct it. What I meant to say was, and I owned up to my mistake, my imprecise language, and I corrected it. You know, that probably happened literally in every single case I tried, and I tried a lot of cases. Because, look, we're all human. We make mistakes. We use imprecise language. I know I sure do. So I'm willing to chalk up Judge Kelly's comments to imprecise language because I don't want to believe that he was trying to give Donald Trump cover. Now, what I will say is Donald Trump and his lawyers will use that imprecise language to their advantage in the future. About that, I have no doubt. How? Well, somehow, someway, you're going to start hearing from Trump and his mouthpieces and his lackeys and his flunkies and his sycophants, things like, we are so grateful to the judge that I appointed, this is what Trump will say, Judge Timothy Kelly, for saying in court definitively and beyond all doubt that Enrique Tario was the leader of the insurrection, that Enrique Tario was the ultimate organizer of the insurrection. Not me, not Donald Trump, not your favorite president. Thank you, Judge Kelly, for exonerating me. Thank you for laying that to rest. You see how imprecise language from a judge who is presiding over a criminal case involving an attempted overthrow of our democracy can be problematic and can be misused. Now, ultimately, it will be used to no avail because that statement by Judge Kelly is not going to see the inside of another courtroom during trial. It will not be presented to a jury. It may make an appearance in legal filings by Trump's third-rate lawyers, you know, but it sort of drives home the point that I think we all need to be and judges need to be a little bit more precise when they are declaring who is the leader, the ultimate leader and the ultimate organizer of the insurrection. It's Donald Trump and no one else. After the break, could an amendment to the Constitution keep Donald Trump off the ballots next year? Glenn talks about this next on Justice Matters. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Constitutional scholars are coming together on the opinion that Donald Trump is already disqualified from holding office again because of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Glenn explains why this will hold up in court. Okay, friends, let's turn back to a good news story. And here's the good news. Donald Trump is disqualified from holding office again. That's pretty good news, right, friends? Donald Trump, as we just discussed, was the ultimate organizer and leader of the last insurrection. And you've probably been hearing stories and news accounts, and perhaps reading articles, maybe even including a lengthy law review article authored by two conservative constitutional scholars who are associated with the hyper-conservative Federalist Society. Constitutional scholars, academics, law professors, and former judges, left, right, and center are all coming together, unifying behind one position and one interpretation of the Constitution. And I have to tell you, I've been reading as much about it as I can. It's a definitive interpretation of the Constitution because it uses the very words of the Constitution. And those words are, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole 14th Amendment, Section 3 verbatim right now. But if you have taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States, and thereafter you engage in insurrection or give aid and comfort to those who did, you shall be disqualified from holding office. Simple, direct, unmistakable, and unassailable. Donald Trump is disqualified from holding office again. The Constitution disqualifies him. And friends, the Constitution has other disqualifiers in it. For example, if you're 34 years old or younger, you're disqualified from being president. If you're not a natural born citizen, you're disqualified from being president. If you haven't been a resident of the United States for 14 years, you're disqualified from being president. And if you engaged in or gave aid and comfort to an insurrection after having taken an oath to support the Constitution, you're disqualified from being president. Simple, direct, easy peasy. Okay, maybe not easy peasy, but simple and direct because the question of, well, okay, then how do we get there? That part is a little less simple, less direct, and it's not exactly easy peasy. But one of the ways we're going to get there 
one of the ways people are working to get us there is going on as we speak. I'm happy to report that secretaries of state or other state government officials who are the ones responsible for putting names on a presidential ballot in each of the 50 states, those are the ones who decide whether somebody is qualified to have their name put on a presidential ballot in a state election or disqualified from having their name on the ballot. So let's play this out. If somebody comes to a secretary of state, let's say Michigan, for example, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. Somebody comes to Secretary of State Benson and says, um, Secretary Benson, I've got all the paperwork here. I've got all the necessary signatures. I've, I've fulfilled whatever the requirements are to have my name placed on the state ballot in the upcoming presidential election, and I'd like my name put on the ballot. Secretary of State Benson would need to know, well, sir or ma'am, how old are you? Well, I'm, I'm 34. Well, I'm sorry, you're disqualified under the Constitution. Bye-bye. Okay, are you a natural-born citizen of the United States? Well, no, I'm not. Okay, sorry, you're disqualified under the Constitution. Bye-bye. Okay, that's probably not how she would put it. But still, you get the point, friends? Oh, and have you engaged in insurrection? or given aid and comfort to those who did after you took an oath to support the Constitution? Oh, you did. You're disqualified by operation of the Constitution. Bye-bye. Your name will not go on the ballot. That is what constitutional scholars left, right, and center have opined. That's the opinion they have offered. That's the constitutional interpretation. You're disqualified and the disqualification in the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is self-executing, right? So if a Secretary of State were to put the name of a 34-year-old or an insurrectionist on the ballot for the presidential election in their state, the Secretary of State would be acting unconstitutionally. They would be violating the Constitution. So what does that look like in real terms? How in the world does this play out? Because of course it's not as simple as I just described. Well, the picture is already emerging regarding how it will play out. If Trump's name is put on the ballot by a secretary of state or whoever the state official is that has the authority the responsibility, the power to make that decision. If Trump's name is put on the ballot, a lawsuit will be filed to get his name off the ballot. And a judge will have to decide that issue. Oh, did Donald Trump engage in an insurrection or give aid and comfort to those who did? I don't know, like saying he's gonna pardon the insurrectionists? Well, yes, he did. So of course the judge should rule that his name may not be placed on the ballot. He's disqualified under the Constitution. Now, let's take the flip side of the coin. If Donald Trump's name is not put on the ballot in some states, a legal challenge will be filed and a judge will have to make the same decision. Was the Secretary of State in that state right in refusing to put Trump's name on the ballot because he participated in an insurrection? And I believe the judges will rule, of course, that was the correct and constitutional decision because we saw Donald Trump 
engage in and continue to give aid and comfort to the insurrectionists. So I have to tell you, friends, I think the odds of Donald Trump even being the Republican nominee or even having his name on enough state ballots to be able to effectively run for president in 2024, the odds are dwindling by the day. And not just because Donald Trump is going to be tried, convicted, and imprisoned. That also has, I think, a little something to do with why the odds are dwindling that Trump will be the nominee or will be reelected. And yes, we know there are some Trump supporters who will still vote for Donald Trump, you know, even though he is in a prison cell serving life. Fine, let them. You know, we will continue to try to talk across the divide, the considerable divide. We will continue to try to bring facts to their attention. But I think what we have come to learn is there are some people who are either unwilling or unable to accept facts, to absorb facts, and to make their decisions based on facts. But we will keep talking including across the divide. Coming up next, Glenn says it's finally time to hold lawmakers accountable for their role in trying to overturn the 2020 election. This is Justice Matters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jim Jordan is now obstructing Trump's Georgia State RICO prosecution. Glenn discusses why it's time to hold Jordan and others accountable for their crimes. Okay, friends, now let's sort of pull all these individual streams into one river, right? They're all kind of running together, and that river is the rule of law. I think it's what, what's the word, the confluence of all of the streams sort of flowing into a, a single river. I think confluence is the word. Okay, nobody has ever accused me of being a wordsmith or of being eloquent. But let's turn our attention to Jim Jordan, right? That <laughs> underhanded little member of Congress who committed a crime. He committed the crime of contempt of Congress by defying a lawfully issued congressional subpoena by refusing to testify when he was subpoenaed to testify as part of a congressional 
investigation. Not only did he commit the crime of contempt of Congress, he really did interfere in, obstruct a congressional investigation, an investigation being conducted by the very body of which he is a member. But let's stick with contempt of Congress for defying the subpoena, because who else did that? Peter Navarro, who was just convicted of the crime of contempt of Congress. Steve Bannon, who was convicted of the crime of contempt of Congress. Now, neither Peter Navarro nor Steve Bannon were members of Congress, but Jim Jordan, who committed precisely the same crime, was and is a member of Congress, and somebody protected him. Somebody put Jim Jordan above the law. So what is Jim Jordan doing now? He is so enabled and emboldened by the fact that somebody put him above the law, somebody gave him a pass for committing the crime of contempt of Congress that he is now interfering in and obstructing the Georgia State RICO prosecution of Donald Trump by threatening to investigate District Attorney Fawny Willis. Now, don't take my word for the assertion that Jim Jordan is interfering in and obstructing the RICO prosecution. Fawny Willis wrote a letter. She put it in black and white. You are interfering in and obstructing a state court prosecution. You know, when you interfere in a state court prosecution like Jim Jordan is, that's a crime. It's yet another crime. It is obstruction of justice. It's potentially something we refer to as accessory after the fact. When you know somebody has committed crimes and you do something to try to assist the perpetrator in avoiding being held accountable for those crimes, being tried, being convicted, being punished, you're an accessory to their crime. You're an accessory after the fact to their crime. So given that District Attorney Fawny Willis, the prosecutor in Georgia, has gone on record as saying Jim Jordan is obstructing the state RICO prosecution of Donald Trump and all of his criminal associates, there's only one thing left to do, and the rule of law demands it. I mean, the rule of law has to assert itself or has to be asserted by the people in a position to assert it. What is the next thing that happens after there is evidence that a member of Congress, in this case Jim Jordan, is actively obstructing justice in a state court prosecution? Here's what happens. Here's what must happen. A grand jury investigation should be initiated. Jim Jordan's conduct, evidence of what Jim Jordan is doing, should be presented to that grand jury in Georgia. And the grand jury should be asked, ladies and gentlemen, based on the evidence you've seen, do you believe there is probable cause that Jim Jordan has committed a crime in violation of Georgia state law? The answer to that question will almost certainly be yes. So the next thing that should happen thereafter is the grand jury should be asked to vote out an indictment of Jim Jordan 
for the crime or crimes he committed in violation of Georgia state law. That's what should happen. That's what the rule of law requires. That's what justice requires. Jim Jordan was given a pass previously for his contempt of Congress. I don't know precisely who put him above the law, but what I know is the Department of Justice didn't charge him for his crime. They charged other people who were not members of Congress for the exact same crime, Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon. Doesn't feel like the equal application of the laws to me. So the two things that should happen, one, a Georgia grand jury should be opened into Jim Jordan's crimes, crimes designed to obstruct the prosecution of Donald Trump and his criminal associates, crimes designed to assist Donald Trump, try to help him get away with his crimes, and the Department of Justice should also indict Jim Jordan for contempt of Congress, right? Because they indicted folks who weren't members of Congress, Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon, for the precise same crime. Not a good look, not a good look when you put a member of Congress above the law, beyond accountability. Because when you do that, you're emboldening him to do precisely what he's doing right now, interfere in the Georgia RICO prosecution. So DOJ, how about you rectify your mistake and you get on that? because, you know, justice matters. Friends, as always, thank you for tuning in to our long form weekend audio podcast. If you wanna know where else you can find me, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook under Glenn Kirshner 2 my name and the number two. You can find me on my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. Of course, you can find my audio podcast right here, wherever you ordinarily get your podcasts. And if you would like to more formally uh, support our all-volunteer efforts, our mission, our content here at Justice Matters, please feel free to come on over to patreon.com. If you sign up to become a patron, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks. And thank you, thank you to the many of you who are supporting our all-volunteer efforts over on Patreon. We couldn't do it without you. And then as always, friends, please stay safe. Please stay tuned. And I look forward to talking with you all again soon. <laughs>